musicians are breaking through TikTok currently because there's such an incredible discoverability around it. But mm-hmm. I think with the artists that might not view themselves as like a TikToker or view themselves on TikTok, what I tell them a lot of times is make content for any channel and just post it on TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, entertain the platform as just a space. You don't need to spend all your time there, but entertain it as a space and a world in which you can make fans. My biggest thing is just increase your odds, right? Mm-hmm. And I think for an artist to completely neglect TikTok, not release music on the platform, not post on the platform, I think they're decreasing their odds. This episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. What's going on? Welcome to the new music business. I'm your host, Ari Herstand, author of How to Make It in the New Music Business, the book. Today, my guest is Griffin Hadrill. He is the co-founder and CEO of Vertical. Vertical is an influencer marketing agency, a viral marketing agency, specifically working in the TikTok space. They were just acquired by Create Music Group in a multi-million dollar deal. They have worked with artists like Saweetie, Justin Bieber, Lil Nas X, Warner Records, Republic Records, Atlantic Records, Interscope Records, a lot of the major labels. Um, and as you'll hear on the show, right now in on the Billboard Global Top 200 of the top 10 songs, they are representing five of them, meaning that they have helped five of these songs crack the charts. And he's going to explain all about how they did that and how it all works. If you're interested in how to be successful on TikTok, this is the episode for you. Or you're just curious about how music is succeeding on TikTok and how, how it's going viral on TikTok and and uh, what it's all about, Griffin breaks it down. We get into the weeds a bit, and it's a very informative episode. I think you're really going to appreciate it. As always, please like, follow, subscribe to this podcast. If you're just listening for the first time or you've been listening for a while and you haven't hit that subscribe or follow button, please do that. Visit Ari'sTake.com to get on the email list. That is where all the most relevant information is. We send that out. Of course, find us on Instagram, Twitter, and yes, find us on TikTok at Ari's Take. And you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Ari Herstand. All right, let's kick into the show. Griffin Hadrill, welcome to the show. Thanks, man. I'm I'm excited to be chatting with you. Likewise, this is great. Um, so I, I everyone who is tuned in, I know is is so excited to to hear from you. And and I don't know if this was for private consumption, but I'm going to bring it up, and we'll have to edit it out later uh, when you sent me this this screen grab in my email last week when you're like, yo. Uh, of the top ten songs on the Billboard 200, uh, we're we we're working five of them. We have five of the top ten songs right now. Is that public knowledge? Can I say that? 
Do we have to yeah, edit it out later? Okay. <laughs> I think I think okay, we're golden there. You know, uh, it's it's a cool it's a cool win. You know, we've and again, right? Like, what credit can we give TikTok for those? Yeah. I think there's definitely some really strong attribution, but at the end of the day, like the artists make a great song, they made a hit, and yes. we were happy to be a small part of their journey, especially in in that moment of success that they had. Yes. Well, congratulations on that. Well done. Great work with that. So cool. Uh, I love the the screen grab. You, you circled the ones that you had. And uh-huh. um, can I can I can I list them? Can I read them? Can I say? Oh what, yeah, what, for sure. So we have Easy on Me, Adele. We have Stay, The Kid, Leroy and Justin Bieber, Industry Baby, Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow, Heat Waves, Glass Animals. Moth to a Flame, Swedish House Mafia, and The Weeknd. Uh, big, big, big songs, big names. Um, so, But the question that I have, and everybody else has, and why they're tuned in and listening to this right now, is what do you do? And like, what does that mean when you, when you are working these songs? Can you just explain what you do and what, yeah, how all this works? Yeah, so, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of take it back to almost like, early, early TikTok days is yeah. like the, we sort of saw like this in indicator, so to speak, that like TikTok was driving record success and that we didn't know like how big of a tool TikTok was going to be in like the future of the music industry at that time. But we mm-hmm. had one example to sort of look at and go, wow, like this is this is a moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and and how that moment was created was all by having influencers like kind of corralling influencers at that time we were doing like a lot of favor asking and this is before sort of like this influencer economy was like fully created so Mm. at the time like influencers didn't know if they were worth money to post a song in a video whatever the case may be but we kind of came up with like a couple different trends made you know called on a bunch of a bunch of favors with these influencers and like reached out like we're just getting our feet wet right so we're just like reaching out and getting these influencers on board to use the song so that mm-hmm. same methodology that we took from like early days we still do now just with a lot better relationships with influencer talent i think a okay. big thing for us when we were starting we we're like hey we want to be creator first and how do we get these creators to sort of get around or, or get excited about using one of these songs in a video um, mm-hmm. not only from like a financial perspective, cause we're paying them to participate, but also from like, uh, can they really own it? Can they really feel like they're a part of the song? So what we do in short is we come up with really specific creative trends, like everything mm-hmm. from dance trends, POV trends, makeup trends. It could be anything big or small. Um, and then we hire influencers out to participate. Uh, Mm -hmm. in those trends and then all do it within a very succinct amount of time so within a very short time window so Mm. we can achieve sort of that fomo effect on the internet and it gets Mm. like ugc like your everyday tiktok user excited or wanting to use the song in a video um Mm -hmm. our goal is to kind of create the fomo effect gotcha ugc the user generated content um so okay do you call this uh, are you technically like an influencer marketing agency is that is that what vertical is influencer marketing is that is this essentially what influencer marketing is right now i think i think it's developed to be that yeah so we are an influencer marketing agency i think we try to lean on the side of like we are a viral marketing agency i think everything that we work on is we're trying to create virality 
Got so we it. try to take it one step further in that sense because, yeah, it's music, but also there's a ton of other ways to go viral, and we can help sort of source or create those moments for mm-hmm. for musicians uh, and brands. Okay, cool. That's that's helpful. Um, so I want to know. Um, to get a little bit more in the weeds on this, because um, you mentioned that you contact influencers and you kind of get them to use a song. Uh, step me through this process. Are you only going after influencers with millions and millions of followers? And do you just kind of have your go to five people and they're like, all right, we know when they post a video with the song that boom, it goes viral or, or step me through this process and, and the mindset behind all this? Yeah, it's and it's a good question because I think we don't we don't necessarily believe that the bigger the influencer the better. Um I think mm. a lot of people do have that belief like the bigger the influencer the better they're going to be. Okay. At the end of the day it really is like about having a unique trend that fits the influencer, right? So if all of a sudden I'm using a let's say a dance influencer for a song that's not a dance song. Mm-hmm. Um even if I pay the influencer and they do the video, that's not normal content. That's not organic content to them. So it looks forced on their page, right? So at the end of the day, they're not going to reap the benefits and their community isn't there to see lifestyle content. They're there to see dance content. So Mm -hmm. it's not only the the big ones that win. Um, I think a lot of people have that misconception. And for us, it's really about like generating a moment and it needs to be an authentic moment. So we're using sometimes people with tens of thousands of followers and then other moments we're using people with 50, 60, 70 million followers, right? So the, the span can range and it's really all about what we feel like is the necessity for the, for the song and also the trend so that it fits organically. And then there's different stages, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, an example of that is if a song has 200,000 video creations to it, using a small influencer is not going to penetrate through the, the action that it's already experiencing, but a larger one might. Mm. Um, so that's kind of like, there's different moments and different phases within a campaign that we're going to tap different people to participate in. When do you come into the process? Are you there before the song is released to try to get uh, the song to catch week one? Or do you come in after the song has been out for a while, has some traction or maybe not, and is hoping to give it another life? We come. I think we come in truly on every stage like we'll we'll come in a month ahead of the release or even months ahead of the release and uh or we'll come in after the song's already released a day before the release day of the release sometimes even a year or two years or 10 years after a song's (laughs) already been released and then there's like a moment that's starting to bubble up with it Mm -hmm. and we're there to like kind of pour gas in the fire Interesting. Yeah, because I was noticing, I mean, the Glass Animals song, uh, Heat Waves, like they posted that video uh, with the song back in January. And it was just kind of a compilation video of some fan art. And but it it's charting what uh, almost 10 months later on the Billboard (laughs) charts. Yeah, (laughs) a year later. Tell me about that process. and, And when did you come into it? Yeah, we, we kind of came into it, I want to say, maybe a couple months after release. It was out there in the ethos. It was people were listening it, liking it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think people didn't know they loved it yet. Um, 
but mm. it's such an easy song to love, man. It yeah. is such a great killer record. So, yeah. so we came into, and honestly, that one, I think that song specifically, I feel probably the most connected to mm. in, in so many ways, just because first of all, I was absolutely in love with the song. I thought it was the best song, probably the best song I've ever heard point blank cool. period um <laughs> Big and that, that's subjective right that's my opinion but uh it's great you know uh i love i love the record and i was like and, and we heard it and and obviously glass animals incredible artist they made an incredible mm-hmm. record mm-hmm. and um yeah we came in a few months after the song was already out it already had some videos you know a couple thousand like a couple maybe even tens of thousands of videos made with the song at that time but okay. it's sort of like flatlined mm-hmm. um and we were like hey how do we create like another iteration or another moment with this song and that's when we kind of got into the weeds and uh really worked closely with the label we were like you know helping come up with video ideas for the band and um you know we just kind of dove all in and came up with some different different trends um but our whole goal like we we sort of knew this we knew that if it wasn't going to happen like then right at that moment, more people were going to hear this song and it was going to happen. Right. Mm. And we've sort of experienced that with like really good songs that we just sort of believe in. If it doesn't happen now, it's going to happen later. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just about getting people to hear the record. So tell me about that one, because uh, the video that I saw, I mean, for context, now there are over a half a million videos using the song. Um, and, the most popular one or one of the most popular ones is just kids jumping on a bed and teaching their dog to jump on the bed with them. That video has, uh, almost 9 million views, 63,000 shares. Uh, I'm assuming that was not the trend you came up with. (laughs) No, that, that dude, that one wasn't, you know? And, and so there's, there's actually two, the funny story with this, there's actually two audios to heat wave. So there's one that has like half a million right now. There's another one that has like 1.4, 1.5 million videos made with oh, it. Wow. Um, I'll send, I'll send you the link to okay. check out too. Um, but yeah, hmm. so we, that was an, this song is an interesting one where we sort of felt like if we were trying, if we were going to attach a trend too early with this song, that mm-hmm. it would potentially hurt the record. So what we did is we actually like, personally reach out to all you know we're talking to all these influencers but we're telling them we were asking them like hey what idea like do you have a strong like idea for this for this song and like what would you do and so we sort of did that over and over and over again just to kind of give influencers some creative freedom knowing Mm -hmm. because they know what works best on their page and Mm -hmm. we knew if it was going to work well on their page the most people to hear the song and see a video eventually it's going to light fire um and we sort of saw that happen but we saw it happen in a very funny way we we did a campaign the campaign ends like great there's some great traction on it but nothing really like snowballed at that time and then all of a sudden we come back to it a couple weeks after the campaign's over and ugc starting to move this is also at a time when like the tiktok for you page changed so when things are hitting the for you page it's coming at a later time Mm. um because it used to be back in the day, for you page would happen day of, or maybe within 24, 48 hours. And now the for you page, like we see stuff hit the for you page that's um, almost a month old, like yeah. video content that's only a, that. almost a month old. Mm-hmm. 
And so we saw that happen with glass animals. A bunch of our, we go back and look at the stats from like the influencers we worked with, and all of a sudden their their engagement tripled. And we're like, wow, okay, wow. this is happening almost retroactively. Mm. Um, so we came back, did another campaign, you know, and so on and so forth. So how does, uh, step me through a little bit uh, deeper into the process. How does the business relationship work with you and the influencers? So I'm assuming um, you're not paying the influencers based on uh, the level of success virality or anything like that for the reason alone that you just said that it might pop, it might catch a month afterwards or something like that. Um, how does that work? Do you engage them and say, okay, what, what would you like to do with this song? Pitch us some ideas and then we'll pay you X amount to post one video with it or to post five videos with the song or how, how does it work? Yeah, it's we don't do anything like performance based, right? Because okay. at the end of the day, like we want to adequately pay creators um, okay. for their for their work, right? Even if they okay. underperform okay. or if they overperform, right? Like we kind of always it's always like a, a mutual communication line between them. Like, hey, what are your rates? Like, what do you feel like is fair? You know, we either say yes or no, or we, you know, there might be a negotiation process in that moment too. Like mm -hmm. if we don't have the budget for something, um, and then, you know, that's sort of what we pay them on. You know, another thing, like another metric that we constantly look at is like sort of what's their average view rate or engagement rate. And we'll sort of kind of like have an idea of like how we might price an influencer based off that. Um, do you have any, do you have a ballpark of kind of what that is based on, views or followers or average yeah what's the average right it's you know it it changes it's so dramatically because for one influencer that holds like a certain credibility within like a let's say the dance community they might be we might pay them let's call it three thousand dollars for an average one million views um other influencers, we might be paying a thousand dollars for an average million views, and it kind of all de all depends on what their first of all, like what their interest level is on the song, if they're receptive to the budgets that we might have, um, and also it, it kind of depends on them on what you know what sort of rates they would like to see, mm. um, and so we we ha we understand that we can't use everyone, um, but you know the the partners, the great partners or influencer partners to us, like you know we're working with a lot and they're making it seems like there's a really good mutual relationship there where they're making really good income off of work that, that we seed out to them so it kind of just depends it, it very much fluctuates how many influencers are in your network i i'm always careful about that question well not okay. not that question specifically but about that language network right because something Community? i always try to make something <laughs> yeah something i always try to make super clear is like we don't we don't hold any of these influencers hostage and we don't manage them in any capacity. Right. Okay. Okay. We use anyone and everyone. If they're in the influencer ethos, like we'll work with them. Gotcha. And so, you know, I mean, our database per se is like over 10,000 influencers. Right. Wow. Um, okay. so everyone from like, do we even have, you know, people in specific countries, specific age groups, like, if they're associated with certain brands or certain products, right? Um, we get really detailed with our with our database because we really want to have the best data so that we can also create the best moments online. Mm. 
That's interesting. Okay, so that makes sense. Uh, they haven't signed a contract to be exclusive with Vertical. You have uh, or maybe 10,000-plus 10, influencers in your database. You said ranging from a few thousand followers or so, tens of thousands of followers, up to millions of followers uh, based on the budget. So that's another thing that I, I think – a lot of people might not understand about how TikTok works. And it, it's a it's a complete rethink from coming from the Instagram influencer marketing realm where it is about how many followers you have and the only people traditionally before Reels um, and the algorithm tweaks that are starting to happen. But traditionally before uh, you only saw content in your feed on Instagram from people that you followed. So you had to go to the, the followers. And, you know, notoriously uh, that blew up the whole thing was the Fire Festival where they hired a bunch of models with tens of millions of followers and uh, to promote the festival that sold out and was a ca- catastrophe and now the founders are in jail. Um, but uh, so it, but it, it now works differently and explain to me why you have influencers with just a few thousand followers in your database that you would contact sometimes if you're hoping for a viral moment. So those influencers, a lot of times, like a lot of times it's like the, the smaller influencers that actually still stay really relevant with what's going on in the internet. Um, like hmm. the bigger they get, a lot of times the more like career opportunities they're receiving. So they're spending less time on the app. They're spending less time maybe on the internet and they're spending more time with maybe it's acting, maybe it's modeling, maybe whatever the case may be. So a lot of times these smaller creators have a really good sense of like what's going on. Like they have their finger on the Mm. pulse right of the internet. And those, those creators are always great. Not only for us to work with and like even choreographing a trend, but also they're great to work with because those influencers too tend to be super engaged. Like there's like a, this mutual communication between their fans and them. And mm-hmm. they haven't like, so to speak, sold out to be like this huge celebrity <laughs> superstar. Right. Sure. So they're super engaged. So even though if they only have 20,000 followers, they're like, every video that they do is for every single one of those followers, right? Mm. The larger the larger you get, you're sort of splitting your audience all the time, like over and over and over again. And you really end up having a smaller margin of who your diehard fans are. Mm-hmm. Um, so those creators are super important to us. And like, we still work, you know, I, th- I would say a lot of the creators that we work with are always in that smaller range because they have such a good finger on the pulse, a lot of times they can drive UGC because their fans will then be mobile in terms of creating videos with stuff that they're working on. Okay. Um, so there's a lot of different sort of like. And when you say drive UGC, you mean they're inspiring their followers to create videos based on the trend that they haven't uh, created or based on the song that they've used, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay. And, and it is worth noting for people that are just dipping their toes into TikTok right now just to to break it down to the bare bones and explain a little bit more. Um, the way that the TikTok algorithm works is that you're able to go viral uh, with not that many followers. I mean, I tell the story, but like when we started our TikTok account with Ari's Take, we had maybe 50 followers uh, when we first got started and our th- third video got a hundred thousand views and like uh i think like eight thousand likes or ten thousand likes and like 500 comments 
we had 50 followers at the time. And then we instantly got like, you know, 2,500 followers like in two days from that. But we didn't do anything other than post the video uh, and include a couple of hashtags. And it, it was like, that was the first time I realized like, wow, there's some power here. Uh, you know, it didn't go like, I, to me, that was viral. 100,000 views in like a couple of days based on, um, you know, having only 50 followers. But it's worth noting that that's a possibility on TikTok, which was never a possibility on any of the other platforms. Did you did you feel like immediately hooked to the app after that moment? <laughs> I mean, I felt like I, I was chasing them because we didn't get another we didn't get another hundred thousand view video uh, since, and so I think that like, and I've I've heard from other people who are pretty active on TikTok that like they'll do that for your one of your first few videos, so you get really excited about it, and then like they squash you, and then it's like yeah. Try, keep trying. Maybe you'll get back. It's like that first. It's like that first hit of heroin, and it's like, wow, it's so amazing. And then you're you're constantly chasing that high, which you'll never get again. I mean, hopefully we will get that again. I just we just posted a video three days ago, uh, and it's already at sixty thousand views. And I was like, oh, crazy. Okay, and five thousand likes and a few hundred comments. And it's like, all right, that's like the craziest thing to me is just like you know, and we don't have we're at five thousand followers. It's just like they, that just starts to catch in that can happen but it's it's something that's like just unique to the tiktok algorithm i guess but you got hooked right like you made more videos after yeah that <laughs> see that's they're smart they're, they, dude they're smart and it's it's i think it's a great i mean i fell for it too you know I, I didn't have like my viral moment but i had like me personally but i had a viral moment for like one of our early day you know campaigns and yeah. that was actually our first campaign ever. And that's what sort of got me. It was like this adrenaline rush of like, wow, we can mm -hmm. like, we can make some serious results um, yeah. for our clients off this. I, I think, I think your story is a great one because I mean, shoot for a business, right. To be able to start mm -hmm. an account and have one of their first couple of videos go viral and be discovered by the, the thousands or the millions. That's, mm -hmm. that's, that was that's what was missing in the social space for the longest yes. time. We were always restricted, whether it be by YouTube or Facebook or you know or um, Instagram. Instagram. We were always restricted by our followership. Yes. So we never had this opportunity for the longest time. Musicians didn't have the opportunity. Um, you know, managers were chasing it constantly. But finally, TikTok kind of gave the marketplace something that they were looking for, which is discoverability. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have to be based off of how many followers you had. It could be the everyday person could have this moment and could and could mm -hmm. achieve that, or the everyday small business, you know, could yeah. have that moment. So um, you mentioned before choreography of a trend, or you you choreograph these trends. Now, when I hear that, uh, having a a musical theater background, and I hear choreography, I'm thinking dance. I'm like, okay, we have a choreographer, uh, but. Are, are all your trends that you're choreographing, are these all dances or are you talking about that these are any kinds of trends and that you just kind of help, uh, you, you help inspire or you work with your creators and, and give me some examples if it's not just dances. Yeah. Maybe, maybe the right, maybe the right lingo would be architect. Like we're, we're architecting trends, right? I like we're that. Trying to, I like that. And it's funny, me and Sean, you know, Sean's the co-founder of Vertical and and a large part of obviously our business, he's really like so many creative juices from, you know, just from that, that 
man in general and I, and I love it but he uh we always kind of joke around we're like yeah we're trend architects and that's like our very unhumble moment where we're where we only say it in like close quarters to each other you know <laughs> but uh but other than that, you know, I mean, that's, I think that's the way that we view it is like, yeah, we're architecting a trend. We're really trying to come yeah. up with something from like the ground up mm-hmm. and no, it's not all dance. Um, okay. it's, you know, a great examples. Like there's, you know, we did like, uh, you know, there's lip sync trends and we've done, mm-hmm. you know, a ton of different lip sync trends or makeup trend or, and a makeup trend could be like seeing someone like a before and after, right? Yes. This really like authentic, vulnerable moment for man or woman um, to be able to be like all of a sudden putting on makeup and then boom, like there's this huge kind of glow up. Reveal we had moment. we had uh, Rit Momney on the show uh, not too long ago and his song, the Corinne Bailey Ray, Put Your Records on Cover that he did. That was the trend that exploded that song. It was uh, a makeup trend. It was before and after. And it was actually this this kid. Uh, he was putting makeup on himself. and But his video didn't wasn't the one that really went viral. It was this makeup influencer watching this kid's video, which is the one uh, that it was like he duetted it essentially that video. And that was the one that took it viral. Uh, it was so interesting. And then it inspired the before and after makeup trend for put your records on the Rip Momney. And that song now has over 400 million streams and he got a record deal, but yeah, massive. I mean, and that's, see, that's such a great example. Like, cause then there's even reaction trends. Like one of the fastest (laughs) growing pages right now on TikTok is this guy angry reactions and all he does is react to videos right to what's in reaction and I, I think the guy's hilarious I'm like you know where was why didn't we let him win you know with the D'Amelio's and Addison Ray and everyone else like he's just now starting to, to have his moment but like yeah such a pure page such pure content and it's so great right and I think there's like this whole new universe of like trends that are opening up and like in all sorts of categories for all sorts of people. So even though you might not like one, you're like, ah, I'm not into dance or I'm not into makeup, but like you can find something that's a comedy trend, right? Okay. So cool. There's, every, cool. There, there's all sorts of stuff. Real quick, I want to let you know about DistroKid. Well, I'm sure you already know about DistroKid, but they are partners with Ari's Take, and they are a great company that can help get your music distributed to Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, all of that. Over a million artists use DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I have distributed some of my music in the past. And something I appreciate about DistroKid as not just an artist, but someone who studies this space is they have been one of the most innovative companies over the last 10 years. They came in and completely changed the game. One of the first companies offering unlimited uploads, and now most of the other distributors have had to change their policies to kind of copy and follow suit uh, what DistroKid was doing, and the industry had changed, of course. DistroKid doesn't keep a commission. That means you keep 100% of your royalties and earnings from the DSPs. They also offer payment splitting. They call it splits, something that, for me at this point, is a deal breaker. I don't want to have to cut checks to all my collaborators and the producers and everybody else that is owed royalties and owed splits from my earnings. DistroKid will cut those checks directly. You can get them to uh, your collaborators to sign up, and then DistroKid will cut all the checks to all your collaborators. And they were one of the first to offer that of the DIY self-service distributors. DistroKid continues to innovate. Check them out. If you need to get your music out there, districtkid.com. 
So is this, um, and this is what's so interesting because uh, it sounds like most of the campaigns that you're working for most of these songs, you're not actually working with the artists necessarily. Is that accurate? Yeah, I would, I would say that most of the time we're working directly with the labels. Um, so, so much of our interaction is really, and these, and these, it's so cool, man. Like the labels, the labels really understand, um, now like what's happening on the platform. And I give a lot of credit to them because I think, um, I think what I've, I've noticed just about even my experiences in the music industry, people were always sort of like slow to act until after the fact. Yeah. And it's super cool. Cause like, you know, like labels like Republic are like really like getting ahead of it. Like they understand it. They understand what's happening in like the digital ethos, like in the digital world, like they understand what's happening on TikTok. They're also like doing, there's this huge education process for so many artists because so many artists view, man, TikTok's like another platform that they have to pay attention to. They view it like yes. a chore, right? Yes. Yes. And, um, and there's this huge education process that not only we do, but like the labels are also doing with their, with their artists. But I think it's important to note that like not all of our work is with labels. We do work a lot of times with like independent artists, um, distributors, independent, you know, distributors that might have a relationship with the artist. We're working with managers. Sometimes we're even working with agents, like the booking agents spotting a moment and they're giving us wow. a call and being like, Hey, you should connect with the artist. Like this could be huge on TikTok, you know? Mm. So it really is like a team effort. Everyone, you know, in every pedigree of like who's involved in the artist, you know, world. Okay, I want to stay on this for a minute because this is really important. Uh, a lot of artists do look at TikTok as a chore and uh, they think of it as just teenagers dancing and they want nothing to do with it. Um, what do you tell those artists th who don't really see a place for them on TikTok? Uh, what's the conversation with them? It's a tough, it's a tough question, right? Cause not, a, it's not for everyone, right? It shouldn't, you know, I do still believe like you have a choice, like you have a choice on where you want to spend your energy and your time. Mm -hmm. um, obviously TikTok has been so, I would say like prevalent in terms of like what we're seeing in success or like breakout artists. A lot of times that stuff is, or those records or those musicians are breaking through TikTok currently because there's such a, incredible discoverability around it but i mm -hmm. think with the artists that might not view themselves as like a TikToker or view themselves on TikTok, what i tell them a lot of times is make content for any channel and just post it on TikTok. Mm -hmm. you know entertain the platform as just a space you don't need to spend all your time there but entertain it as a space and a world in which you can make fans so don't neglect it don't neglect it mm -hmm. and um and also, you know, make sure that like you're listening through your songs. And if you hear a moment that could be good on TikTok, make sure that you're working with your distributor, working with your label to make sure that those, you know, that audio is at least being delivered. So you have some chance increase. My biggest thing is just increase your odds. Right. Mm. And I think for an artist to completely neglect TikTok, not release music on the platform, not post on the platform, I think they're decreasing their odds. And gotcha. I think that only hurts. Okay, that's a good point. And, and it's actually, uh, I feel a little bit more encouraged uh, when you say that it's not uh, for everyone and that, that we don't have to approach it like the influencers who are chasing trends. 
Um, because it is something where, you know, I also had Ricky Montgomery on the show, and he talked about how two of his songs from his album that came out five years ago went viral on the platform before he even had an account. And that's the craziest thing. Like, he was getting texts from friends saying, yo, your song is blowing up on TikTok. He's like, I, I, I've never been on I don't even, I don't even have an account on TikTok. And they, they exploded. Um, and similarly, he got offered, like, r- deals from every major label out there um, and now has, like, 10 million monthly listeners um, because of that. But so I, I almost look at TikTok as kind of there's two approaches. There's the approach where uh, how influencers have grown on the platform where you're you're a creator. And there are musicians who are creators. Uh, uh, someone else we're having on the show, um, Justin Vibes. Uh, he's a good friend of mine. Vibraphone player. Eight million followers uh, plus. Eight plus million followers. Brilliant jazz vibraphone player. Just an inst- like, you know, he's also a songwriter. He's got a... Um, but like... You know, he has become a creator on TikTok with 8 million followers, um, also a behind-the-scenes songwriter. But then on the flip side, you have the, uh, you know, the Rip Momneys and the Ricky Montgomerys, who now, of course, are on the platform. But but their songs blew out without really their involvement. And so um, talk about that, especially more so for the indie artists and the managers who are listening right now. They're like, okay sweet that you're working with all these major labels who are giving you gazillions amounts of money to hire the the influencers and just like like yeah if i had a million dollars i could blow up too you know but like that's the backlight is like think like all right talk to the people who don't have the major label money what should their approach be when trying to get their songs to catch on tiktok if they're open to the platform and they're excited to be on it and eager to like find opportunity there, I think come up with a plan for how you're going to execute TikTok in a manageable way, right? Like I understand for all artists, like they're spending time in the studio, they have mm-hmm. press appearances. There's a lot going on in their world. Um, and I think think of like a content plan and it doesn't need to be high touch. This is the other thing. Like I think we talk to a lot of people that really believe that it needs to be super produced and it needs to be super thought out and we need to be super creative. And like they're putting a ton of energy into the plot or, or thinking about, and they're not even on the platform yet. Just thinking about how they're going to approach the platform. The best thing you can do is pick up your phone, shoot it through TikTok, always shoot it through the app, do something fun, social, that's totally you. I think TikTok, what I've learned about the platform is it's great at identifying authenticity. Mm. And, um, you know, people tell me all the time, like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm satirical and I almost make fun of being on social media. I'm like, fantastic. We don't need to change that. Let's just lean into it more. Like, let's just be you more and show that through like an open, you know, almost like a, an open interface. So I think hmm. the more that you can do that on TikTok and continually do it um, from creating content and, and obviously including your music show, I also think a big thing, and, and we're seeing it with so many artists, like you're seeing Charlie Puth and, and a lot like that boy with Uke, right? They're always showing um, their creative process mm-hmm. on the platform. And I think it's super important for artists to like kind of share that because that's mm. the window that we never get to see through. 
And yep. this is the first time we're getting to see a chance like behind closed doors of what it's like being in the creator's world or being in an artist's world, creating mm-hmm. their song. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think share that moment. And then, you know, the, the last part that I'll, I'll say to that is when you're thinking through or when you're like, when a song's fully done, um, think through the moments in that song that you feel like might be catchy or might be fun to make a video or if something immediately resonates in your head and make sure those are the parts that you're hearing on your platform. Mm. Last little bit that I'll say is, you know, in the first 30 days of your creating your account, the same way that you had it, you know, with Ari's take, the first 30 days of creating your account is the time to put the most effort in your content. Mm. Um, Not necessarily to put the most effort, but put the most content out and have it be really authentic. Because TikTok does reward you in that time. Yes. And if you can really capitalize on it, you know, why not? Right. That's great. Uh, really great tips. Um, super helpful. I I want to take it back um, to something you mentioned earlier, a while back, about the, the Glass Animals song. And you're, you said... Um, there's a there's a few versions of the song on there, and one of them has 1.4 million views, and the other one that I was looking at had a half a million. Now, uh, the reason I didn't see that 1.4 million, I see it now, and I'm scrolling down, is because it's not an official sound distributed by uh, Glass Animals label, and this is a really important point that I want to hit on, and we should talk about it a little bit because this. Um, is unfortunately happening pretty frequently where somebody creates a video as an original sound, uh, that's in quotes, and it's using a song. They don't credit it. They don't, you know, it just says original sound by, you know, this one says Sevier Edits. It's an original sound by this random account. And uh, this happens all the time. It happened with Willow Smith uh, with that, that her massive uh, song that you can't get away from on, on the app now. Um, and uh, meet me at our spot. Meet me. Um, so they have major labels that can that can use the audio recognition software. So when I tap on it, it says contains music from Heat Waves, and you can tap and you can find it and whatever. But what are independent artists supposed to do when they distribute the song? Uh, they're distributing it officially. Is the technology there with TikTok or is it there that's going to recognize and capture all of these songs and slap a uh, contains music from Ari Herstand on it now? Or what are you supposed to do? That's a, you know, it's a good question. And I wish, I wish I had an answer for it. You know, I, I actually don't. I, I wish <laughs> there was a, a, a way for there to be like audio recognition with everything and, and be able to almost make it accessible for everyone. Yeah, I think I think something that like we pay attention to obviously all the time is like anytime there's a big DSP jump, where is that coming from? Mm-hmm. You can you know, a lot mm-hmm. of times like these the massive DSP jumps are either algorithmic playlists on the DSPs and or right. TikTok. Yeah. And if it's not an algorithmic playlist, start looking on TikTok. Um, <laughs> just <laughs> start not, swiping. <laughs> just start swiping, yeah. Spend your time. But <laughs> um it. But that's, you know, it is, it is challenging. I think that is going to be mm-hmm. a challenge. I, I, I would imagine sometime, you know, hopefully soon that TikTok would launch something that allows people or, you know, to identify their song and be able to mm-hmm. claim that as like, Hey, this is my music. I also see issues with that where like, 
you know, you just claim people anything. could start claiming anything. Yes. So, um, there's, there's probably going to be a marrying of the two and it'll, it'll hopefully happen, you know, sooner than later, but there's no clear answer for it yet. Yeah, it is interesting. And I didn't even understand this was a problem until I was talking to Justin the other day. And he was, it, it took me a while. I was like, well, the legalities are and legally, I mean, it's like, but this has nothing to do with the laws because the laws are 25 years behind technology right now. So it's, it really, it's like, yeah, you could send a takedown notice, or but that's like, that's so far. No, you don't want that. You don't want that. (laughs) Exactly. You want it there. You want it going viral uh, and to catch, but you also want the recognition and the credit. And unfortunately, if you create a video on your own and you have uh, heat waves playing in the background or even in the front foreground, uh, but you don't credit it that way saying, oh, this is heat waves with glass. And I was like, no, this is me making my own video. And I just happen to be playing the song out of my stereo. Um, Unless you have kind of uh, that, unless like TikTok has designated that song as one that they're going to be trying to recognize and then slap a contains music from on it, you might be SOL. And now what's also interesting, and I don't know if you've you've had any experience with this, um, and this might be for a totally other conversation, but this was like also opened my mind. There are remixes, unauthorized remixes for songs happening on there that go viral. Like the, um, oh gosh, what's the one that I just saw that came up? It was the, it was a, a remix of MC Hammer's, um, uh, it was like the uh, Can't Touch This MC Hammer song, but it was like, just do it, I think. And it was like, uh, just do it. And that... That song is a remix of that. Of course, it's unauthorized. The song's not officially released, but it went crazy viral. And I don't think MC Hammer's getting paid for that or anything. Have you dealt with anything like that with these remixes that are popping up on on TikTok like that? Yeah, you know, we we actually, a lot of times, like, we're actually the ones sourcing remixes, you know, all the time uh, on the platform. Because it's actually, like, it's a way for us to maybe if a song doesn't, we don't feel like it would work on the platform. We'll source a remix with the song. Um, as long as we're getting the Shazam, uh, you know, mm. that, that could be a win. And if we can get the contains music, that could be a win too. So it's a little bit of like the wild, wild west on the remix okay. world. I think what I tell everyone, I'm like, embrace it, uh, embrace the remix, embrace yeah. the mashup because you're only gaining more eyes and winning from it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not hurting on it's not hurting on TikTok. I think it's hard. I say that with a grain of salt though, because I know some of like the industry veterans that I'm like friends with be like, nah, Griffin, you know, you got like you gotta own everything, have your name attached to everything, you gotta be making money off of everything. But I think at the end of the day, you gotta the internet's just like this explosive place. It's very uncontained. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm embracing that is is the only way that you can continue to win on the platform cool yeah it is uh i mean you have to uh, promote cultivate and encourage innovation uh but also that's like you know that's the big tech tech industry uh talking points and then on the other side the music industry talking points are uh yes but 
uh, we need credit and we need to get paid and we should be compensated for our intellectual property. And so that's where tech and music constantly are battling. And it's like, I agree with both. <laughs> it's like, yeah. we should be promoting innovation. And just like you said before, no, don't issue a takedown notice. Like, that's the dumbest thing you could do. Just work with the platforms uh, together so everybody wins. And there, there is a solution. And I always say, like, unfortunately, the reason we haven't found the solution is because the tech industry is run by millennials and the music industry is still run by boomers. And so, like, they just completely miss. They, they don't see eye to eye. And like a lot of the times when they're they're sending out these legal notices or screaming in the press on the music industry side, it's just like, yo, you're not even on the platform that you're yelling at. Like you're not even on the platform. You don't even know how this exists. And I've like had private conversations with a lot of these people when they're like, well, they should be paying their fair share and they should be da-da-da-da-da. I'm like, dude, like you don't even understand how this works. And like that's why they don't respect you. That's why like the tech industry doesn't want to sit down with you is because you're not respecting what they're doing. So why should they respect what you're doing? And so it's like, that's where we we have a breakdown in conversation with a lot of these people. But um, totally the get it. And I hope there's a solution. Ch- church and state, man. <laughs> totally, totally. Um, okay, so let's talk more um, about, uh, you know, what artists should do and kind of uh, the strategies on how artists should be using it. Um, more independent artists. So you said the first 30 days are really important. Lean into it then if you want to be a creator and the artist. What if uh, there's a manager, what if uh, a manager is listening right now and they're like, all right, my artist is so resistant to it. Uh, they nearly break down in tears every time I, I mention the word TikTok. I can't get them on there. It's going to just crush everything that they're doing. But I understand the power of TikTok. I'm as manager, I'm fully leaned in and want to do whatever I can to help my artist's song, who I, which I think is brilliant and could pop off on TikTok go viral, but I'm working with a budget of $5,000, not a budget of $500,000. What should I do? It's a, it's a tough question because now the platform is so different than what it was in the early days. You know, we used to do stuff for a thousand bucks and get it to go viral. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, now the platform's like evolved and I think people's tastes people aren't as like receptive to every song that's on the platform. Like they almost used to be. So I think if you're, you know, if you're working with a smaller budget and you're really trying to be scrappy with it, I always say, you know, talk and, and talk to, you know, either people like myself or other people in the space that like really under like that are like spending every day on there, like living, breathing, we're born on the platform kind of thing, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. get their feedback and I also think that if, if you're a manager, it might be best to even cultivate some of those relationships with influencer talent directly, ones that are fans of the artist, right? Mm. It's not always about hiring an agency to create success. I think we're here to, to bridge success or create success when we can, but it doesn't always have to be with an agency. So I do think like if you're a manager, if I, you know, if I were a manager, I had a $5,000 budget, I thought the song was going to work on TikTok, I would be trying to make some personal connections with some of the talent that I think live in my artist world, um, understand my artist world, like their music and try to make that, like try to marry them together in a way that now my artist hopefully becomes more receptive to working on TikTok 
and mm-hmm. the creators feel like there's like a personal relationship there for them cool. to generate success. Cool. I like that. Um, talk to me a little bit more. I, I glossed over it before, but I want to hit it now. Uh, when you mentioned booking agents are getting in touch with you, how can it help an artist? How can it help a tour in the live space um, that is so hyper local when you're trying to sell tickets to Milwaukee or something? Uh, how can TikTok play into that? I, I think that I think specifically with touring, I, I'm still trying to get measured results on terms of like how TikTok can directly correlate to touring. It's really hard data to try and pull and search for. But what mm-hmm. I do think is that, you know, I, I read this interesting stat. So like 60% of users on TikTok, this is of September, um, 60% of users on TikTok are Gen Zers and Gen Zers is the biggest generation, um, you know, ever to exist currently right right so one thing that if you're if that's your buying fan base if that's your ticket buying fan base i think that if you're able to build your artist profile on there all of a sudden you've added a new layer of fans by the way it's the easiest platform to gain followers out of all of them right Right. so if you can build followers and build an audience there all of a sudden you can start marketing your tour there marketing your content there for touring and I think mm-hmm. those go hand in hand together, especially when you're getting ready to roll out a tour, already have one live and you're, you're cycling through localized cities. Cool. Um, I spoke with a guy uh, on the very micro level, and this this was something that I was not aware that could even be possible on TikTok. Um, he lives in Toronto and uh, he was doing these driveway concerts in 2020, the summer of 2020. Um, and just for people, you know, friends, fans in Toronto area, just playing in the driveways, you know, for a few hundred bucks, he'd show up and, and you could get your neighborhood out and put your lawn chairs out and he'd play for you. He recorded, he filmed some of these things. Then uh, this past summer, he uh, made a TikTok saying, hey, everyone in the Ontario uh, area, um, I'm offering driveway concerts. If you want a driveway concert, let me know. And you're around Toronto. Ontario, let me know. Here's kind of what they look like. And then he he cut in some of the footage. And he said that video actually caught in Toronto, in the Ontario area, to the to the extent of like 40,000 views, which in the grand scheme of TikTok International is is not that much. But if you're just catching your local market, which the algorithm did, he's like, yeah. he booked up his entire year from that <laughs> video uh, from people wanting driveway concerts and uh, just in Ontario area, which I thought was crazy. I'm like, okay, that's, now we're reaching hyper-local and you're able to sell tickets or, or like get people in this local region. Like I, we've, now wor- we've now evolved into this next phase, which I think is really exciting. Dude, that's amazing. That's uh, <laughs> I, I, I really want to check out the video, and I want to check out uh, check out his profile because I think that's super cool. Like, yeah, and, and I'm sure you get fed, you know, ads for for you know where you are all the time. I get fed ads like for mm-hmm. not only ads but videos, um, you know, for Vegas. Yeah, and LA. if you're in Los Angeles and you want to do that, yeah. like, I'm ho- I'm throwing a party this Friday. You should show like. And it wasn't even an ad. I'm just like, whoa, how did you know? Like, how did I get Yeah, how did you know I was here? Yeah. <laughs> but the algorithm knows. <laughs> it knows. So yeah. I, and it's it's great. I, I think in the sense of like it's geo almost like it's geo target. It's a little bit scary, you know, I'm not gonna lie. You're like, True. uh uh 
But mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if you can, it's a new way to reach fans. Do it. Yeah, yeah. I gotta uh, check that video out. I'll send it to you. I'll send it to you. It's it's pretty cool. Um, speaking of ads, does your agency do you run ads? Are you working with the TikTok ads platform at all? We do run ads, but it's not something that we are super gung ho about. I still okay. believe like organic traction is really the way to to drive success um on the platform so we we try to stay away from ads where we can but it's something that we do offer we do do when needed mm-hmm. gotcha gotcha okay cool um are there are there any other tips that you could offer um musicians who are just getting started let's say they haven't created an account yet they hear you on the first 30 days and they want to uh they hear you on being authentic um, but I think that's a scary term, I think, to a lot of people because it's like, well, what does authentic mean? Like, is me cooking dinner because I love to cook, is that authentic? But I don't, like, that doesn't have anything to do with my music. So should I be doing that? Or, like, I like to exercise, but that also doesn't have anything to do with me. Like, what do you recommend? As, because this platform can seem very scary and daunting for someone who's just trying to figure it out. Uh to an artist to get started to really uh, capitalize on those first 30 days and, and be successful? I think tell them, first of all, tell them that you're an artist, right? Because um, if all of a sudden, I'm serious about this, all of a sudden you're 20 days into your content and you're like, oh, hey, I'm an artist, right? <laughs> You've all of a sudden attracted a, a, an audience that might not have been there because you were an artist. So I always say like, okay. tell them what you're you're your status is right. Like I'm an up and coming artist out of Virginia and Mm -hmm. this is my hometown. I live in a trailer and I've been playing the banjo for 30 years, whatever it is. Right. Yep. And tell them your story, uh, be upfront about it. TikTok will spot it real quick. Like if all of a sudden you start selling them something down the road. So I always say like, open the doors, tell them who you are, tell them why you're there. Mm. And, uh, and then just start building, building the narrative from that point on. The other thing too, is ask your audience for recommendations, ask your audience for feedback. I think mm-hmm. that communication line, you're building really engaged, organic, true fans that are going to be cool. with you. And if all of a sudden you receive that feedback and like apply it into your content or your music, your fans will go crazy. They feel a part of that journey with you. Um, so those are a couple okay. of the little tips and tricks that I would do early on for an up and coming or independent artist. Amazing. Amazing. Um, cool. Well, Griffin, this has been uh, uh, fantastic. So helpful. I know a lot of people got uh, so much out of this. Um, I have one final question that I ask everybody who comes on the show. Uh, what does it mean to you to make it in the new music business? I would say to uh, to have the option to say no. Um, that's what I would say. Uh, I would say to make it in the in the music business these days is to always always have the option to say no. I love it. Short, sweet, to the point. That's great. That's so much freedom in that. Amazing, Griffin Adderall. Thank you so much. Great. Thanks, Ari. Appreciate it.
episode is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a distribution service that can get your music into all the DSPs like Spotify, Apple Music, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram. Over a million artists have used DistroKid. I'm one of those artists. I've used DistroKid to get my music out, distribute some of my songs. As you know, as I look into all of these distribution services, I test them out. And DistroKid is great. They offer a ton of features, annual fee, unlimited uploads, and you keep 100% of your royalties. Check out districtkid.com. Uh-huh. 